4. Genesis chapter 4. And uh, Brandon, would you open us in prayer, please? Amen. So we are, we have discussed the last time we were together the temptation at the Garden of Eden. I would like to take us to chapter 3, verse 14, and then on into chapter 4, Cain. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. (coughs) Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy con- in thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over you. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife Eve, because she was mother of all living. And Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. Now, lest he put forth his hand, Take also the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So let's look at this, the curse some of the information here that we need to to consider and ponder. So within the curse, there is the promise. And we see that in the confrontation of the curse upon Satan. Now, Satan is embodying the snake, and now the snake is being cursed to the ground. So what is the promise? What's the promise here? Okay, explain that. Okay, so where is where is the blow upon Christ? How does Satan inflict his injury? What's that? Yeah. On the cross. We don't have to overcomplicate this. It's on the cross. And where is 
Christ's victory. What's that? Okay, that would be that would be the expression of his victory, but that wouldn't be the victory. Cross is the death. Resurrection, right? With the resurrection comes victory, victory over sin, victory over Satan, and uh, yeah. So we have the glory of the resurrection. So we must understand salvation is not salvation without resurrection. And the gospel is not the gospel without resurrection. Paul's very clear on that, isn't he? Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. You know, if, if, if there is no resurrection, then we are, we are foolish and we are vain. But there is the resurrection. Therefore, Okay, so he brings in the judgment. But then he comes with a very strange verse here. And uh, there's some debate as to how to interpret it. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his head. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow (coughs) and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now this is an interesting verse. How do we handle this verse? What does this mean? Again, I could tell you what it means, and you wouldn't think and engage and wrestle. What's going on here? Yes. Okay, that's possible interpretation. Did you hear what he said? He said that the woman would desire the leadership in the home. And it becomes the, because of the curse, because Adam, number one, gave over his leadership to Eve. Now that she's tasted that, she's going to desire to have that leadership. But God has established the roles that that should be, no, Adam needs the head of the home. And, and the man is to be the head of the home. So that's one. What else could it be? It could be simply physical desire. You're going to physically desire your husband, and you're going to physically desire your husband because you're going to desire to have children. Even though it's painful, it is within your DNA, <coughs> and that the pain is, or the curse, part of the curse is that you will have pain in childbearing, and you'll have sorrow in life. 
but it is not that uh, part of the curse that you desire to have children or you desire a husband. It's just, this is the way it is. So in other words, the first part is, is the curse. The second part is, this is how God designed it to be. You will desire children, you will desire a husband, and the husband will rule over you. Okay? Now, um, what do you guys think it is? Now that you've heard some possible options, what does this passage mean? You think it's what Jacob said? Okay. Anybody else? Nobody else wants to engage in this? I don't know, but I do know that I raised three girls, and those three girls, when they were from nine years old on to whatever, were wanting babies and wanting to get married and wanting to have a family. So there is something that is instilled in a healthy woman that desires that, right? Now, if she didn't desire that, how would you have the fulfillment of the command to go ye and multiply and fill the earth? So there's nothing wrong with that natural desire that God puts in us. Not all of us are going to be able to fulfill that natural desire. If you're single or if your womb is closed. These are realities. You have to... Godliness with contentment is great gain. But that doesn't mean, well, I'm, I'm sinful because I'm hungry in the morning and I want to eat food. No, you're sinful if you're getting ugly and you make everybody else's life miserable because you haven't eaten. So, I'm sinful because I'm a single mom, a single woman, and I want children and I want a husband. No, you're not. You're healthy. That's good. You're in sin if you're disgruntled and angry because you don't have it. Having the appetite is not sin. Can we amen that? All right. Um, I. It's not stated here, but the drive to have a family, I don't think is as strong with men as it is with women. The drive to have a partner may be as strong. But the family thing is like, yeah, it comes with the territory, I guess. Once they get married and they capture the heart of their wife, they want that for out of love for their wife. But it's not as natural. Just that I never grew up like, I can't wait to hold a baby, bye. No, it's like, I want to conquer the world. And if I get a bride, a cheerleader to come with me, yeah. All the better. Like, but it wasn't that nurturing. So there is argument here to say, okay, this is, this is that. Now, I don't think it's that. And the reason I don't think it's that is because 
the, the whole section is curse. The whole section is this is consequence of sinful behavior. And <clears throat> because of that, Adam and Eve are at odds. What brought them at odds? Sin. And they are going to fight their sin nature from this point forward. Now let me ask you this. How many of you ladies are so godly, so pure, that you just love to follow men and submit to their leadership? Just love it. Just fills your every heart's desire. Liars! If you put your hand up, it's like, no, there's a fight. Because we are all, we all have pride, right? And we all believe in our ideas. We all believe we all have a brain. And we believe our brain should be valued at the same as anybody else's brain and, <clears throat> and we can be offended very easily. <clears throat> so, do godly women fight the desire to have their own way. I see some godly women here. Do you guys have to fight for the desire to have your own way? Monica, do you? Or, or are you, are you, have you arrived yet? No. No? You still kind of fight, have to fight that? And like Andrew says some stupid thing, like we're going to go do this, and you're like, oh Lord, please. How could he be so foolish? Has he thought about this and this and this and this? And then you're like, <coughs> shut your mouth, Monica. Just, just, just pray through it. Hope he gets it. Or hope he at least asks your input. But just, 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 right? That, now that's, that's reality. That is the fight. If you're in marriage, understand. It accentuates it. You're single, you only got to fight your own selfishness. But then when your selfishness has to come under the leadership of another selfish being, ooh, the battle intensifies. Okay? So as much as you want to be married, recognize that marriage comes with its own challenges. I was just counseling a young couple, and I know they both love the Lord. I know they do. And uh, the wife is reinterpreting all of her beliefs that she was raised up on. And the scary thing about that is it's in the area of divorce, in the area of modesty, in the well, whoa, 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 that sounds like what? That sounds like female feminism. That sounds like Christian women's independence, women's rights. And it probably is. She doesn't see it that way. But she's fighting her husband on these issues. And her husband married her thinking she was a fundamental believer who believed the same thing she believed. And now all of a sudden... So I'm talking to and she's carrying offense towards certain people in her life. And I said, you know what? You, as a leader in the home, you have to take her 
and you have to take her to those people who you know she's offended, and you've got to sit her down. Well, how can I do that? She's just going to walk out. She won't cooperate. She won't listen to me. She won't follow. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where did the harmony of that beautiful marriage go? They're two years in, one kid. All their dreams. If I just get married, it's all fixed. Life's going to be so much better. What a mess. So here I have to advise the man in the home, the leader in the home. You know what you need to do? You need to lead. And if she runs out of the marriage, that's between her and God. You need to lead. And the Bible says if you have offense against a brother, you go to that brother and you write the offense. But she won't follow. Qualified leader is not if they follow. The qualified leader is if you lead. You can't make people follow unless you hit them over the head with a club. But you have to lead. So he's intimidated. He goes back and he tells his wife, sister, his wife down and says, we're going to do this. She, she, she walks out in the house. I will not. I will not. I will not. Now this is a present day young couple who both love the Lord. <clears throat> Texts in Fran frantically and I said, um, what do I do now? I said, you do the same thing. You get the couple. You bring them in. You sit her down. If this woman walks out on them, guess what? Now they know that she is offended and she won't deal with it. And now all the hypocrisy is removed. And guess what? Now you leave it up to God. You've done your part. Now you step back and you let God work on the heart of this young wife. That's reality, folks. Every relationship. Satan wants to get in there and destroy. And your pride and selfishness wants to get in there and destroy. And he's saying one of the greatest battles is going to be that women are not going to want to let men lead. Now that's the greatest battle for women, right? So, I want to thank you ladies for being godly women who, who choose to allow the men to lead in this church. You could make it miserable for us. You really could. You could have us looking over our shoulder, looking for the stab in the back at any time. You could be out in the community gossiping about how <clears throat> male chauvinist we are. We're a bunch of male chauvinist pigs. <clears throat> you could be saying this church is, uh, is uh, unbiblical because it won't let women preach. It won't let women... Teach men. It won't let women. You could say we, we're oppressive. You could, but you don't do that. Now, is it difficult at times? I'm sure it is. But, fight your desire to have your own way. Do men have to submit? There's a question. Do men have to submit? We got some men saying, yes, 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 okay. Where do you guys have to submit? I'm not arguing the point. I want you to illustrate and demonstrate to our ladies as to where is it you have to submit. What's that? Yeah, except some of these men own their own business. <laughs> but you're right. Many men have to submit to a boss. 
What? Say that again, Andrew. We have to submit to God. Do we always do it? No. Go ahead. That's right. Jordan, Brandon, Mike, I guarantee you there's a lot of give and take there. You have to, or else you don't have harmony. Brothers? The fact that two brothers, listen, I grew up commercial fishing with my brothers. We got out the boat, we were punching each other's head in. Because, well, I didn't get the bait bags filled in time, or I, I didn't work hard enough. And then I get accused of something I didn't do. I'm in their face like, who are you? You didn't do this. And you walked on that, bam, bam, bam. We're beating on each other. <clears throat> it's kind of nasty. We could never have run a family business. Our family was not godly. Couldn't have happened. But you know what our family did? Went out and started all their own businesses. So, so dad is running his commercial fishing license. Arthur has his own commercial fishing license. It's not the way it should have been. They should have worked together. And, and, uh, and then you got Randy who loses his own life. Commercial fishing. And um, so in the end, it came full circle, and my youngest brother, Tony, now runs the outfit. But um, it was because of sin that we couldn't get along. We wouldn't submit. Right? Okay. So when we work, we submit. Where else do we submit? Yeah. How many? You men have shown gracious submission to my leadership. You're not micromanaging me. You have, and I'm sure there's times I, I do things and you're like, eh, I wouldn't do it that way. Where'd that come from? Or whatever. <clears throat> but you have chosen to come under my leadership and support it. We have a unity here because of biblical humility. Right? So you have to submit. Yeah. Okay, submission to each other is a, is a biblical command. But what does that mean? Now we gotta translate that. What does that really mean? Okay, so I'm gonna submit to Priscilla because Priscilla is smarter than me and she's a better public speaker than me. So I'm gonna let her preach. Is that submitting to her? No. No, 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 no. Because now I'm submitting to her over God. God set things in order. And we all submit to the order, right? <clears throat> but esteeming others better than ourselves is a way of submitting to others. I submit my desires, my goals, to your goals, your desires. What is best for you? In other words, we're not coming in into this church with our own agendas. We're not going to push our way. We're going to submit to the majority. Right? I hope, and maybe I shouldn't just hope, maybe I should ask you guys, how are we doing at mutual submission as a church family? Do you, ladies, do you feel respected and revered? I hope so. Because we want to communicate that. Men... Do you feel that you are respected and expected to lead? And you're supported in it. Um, 
the Bible says that I am that preacher who is to be leading the church. And my primary responsibilities are to to do what? As a preacher, not just as a fellow member. Prayer and teaching of the Word of God. Where my priorities have to stay. That's where it's like, it's got to stay there. And I submit to you by making sure I stay there. What does that mean? Well, that means then you guys have to pick it up and submit to me by allowing me to do that by making sure the shoveling's done. By making sure this baptistry's filled. By making sure that we have activities that minister to each other and you guys are pouring time into just the fellowship meal, right? If I had to go, it's like, okay, we got to cater the fellowship meal, and I got to call up the caterer, and I've got to make sure the tables are set up, and I've got to. Can you imagine how much time I'd have to preach? Jacob? Jacob's been put in a situation where he's had to preach for, it's like, okay, you're going to be an assistant <clears throat> four hours a day, five days a week. And some of you might think, that's a lot of hours. Do you have really enough time to? Spend studying and preparing for your sermons as you thought you were going to have? Do you wish you had more? It's other stuff that takes over, isn't it? Isn't there a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that just... There's a ton of stuff. But guess what? By you taking and submitting to the Lord and taking your responsibility and doing what God has asked you to do, teaching our children... I am so proud of you guys. I love it. I love it. I love seeing you grow. It's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. To, yeah, maybe I'll do it. To, I love it! Talking to these kids and seeing their eyes light up and, and, and just, and hand, isn't it amazing handling the Word of God? Cause, because if you're godly, you're like, you take it serious. Then you're like, well, I'm gonna teach the kids this this week. Hold it, but I just didn't do that to my brother. Oh. I got to get that right. If I'm going to teach the kids to do it, I got to be making sure, I, right? It has a purifying effect on yourself, doesn't it? When you take the Word of God serious? Amen. This is beautiful. <clears throat> but because you do that, I'm free to what? Focus on teaching the adults and preaching the Word of God. Because you do that, our ministry can expand and we can have a greater impact. And because, because you do that, we're growing to love each other more. Because we're standing shoulder to shoulder, working together. Mutual submission. That's what mutual submission is. But mutual submission is not giving up our responsibility and giving it to the opposite sex. This is one of the few churches that is emphasizing a distinction in the sexes. I share a beautiful story with you. It was hilarious. <laughs> take my kids, my grandkids yesterday into the outdoorsman. And uh, I was getting BBs for Jack. And uh, because we have a BB gun, we didn't have any BBs. And it's like, ah, Grandpa, can we shoot the guy? Can I shoot the gun? And I said, okay, we'll go over and get the BBs, you know, for $5. Good. <clears throat> well, Lucy's with. <laughs> I love the innocence of children. And uh, walk up to the counter. There's a guy, this big burly, like Duck Dynasty look, right? I mean, he's got it. He's got the look, but he's got his hair in a ponytail. 
<laughs> so loud as can be. Everybody in the store heard it. Daddy, a grampy, why does that guy have a ponytail? <laughs> and the and the customer cracked up laughing. I mean, he is just laughing his head up. And and the uh, the uh, attendant, he a uh, salesman, he's looking at me and he's like, "Yeah, that's a ponytail." And I'm like, "Okay, how are we gonna do that?" Blah, blah. I said, "Honey, you're right." I said. That looks like a girl, but you see that big, big beard? And I'm saying this out loud, so he's hearing me, right? See that big beard? At least we can tell he's a man. He looks at me, he's like, yeah. I says, it's kind of a weird world we're in these days, isn't it, sir? I says, um, you know, these guys don't know whether they're a guy or whether they're a girl. It's really good to make sure you're looking like a man and comfortable being a man. And if you're confused about it, we can we can we can do it an anatomy check. But you know you're a man, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he started going back and forth. And I says, "Kind of strange world we're in, isn't it?" He says, "Yeah, yeah, it is." Didn't take offense. Was able to laugh a little bit about it because I was able to say, "Hey, at least he looks like a man." But man, is God going to convict that guy when he goes home? It's like little girl says, "Why are you looking like girl?" I just, no, it was beautiful. I don't know where we, how we got there, but anyway, the point I was making is um, that there's a specific curse that applied to women. And there's a specific curse that applies to all mankind. All right? And it's unique. You will have pain in childbearing. And you will have difficulty with submission. To a man. Not submission to God. Oh, I hear that all the time. <clears throat> I have no problem following God. Hold it. God describes himself as a man. And God tells you to submit to your husband. And God tells you to submit to your preacher. And God tells you to let the men lead in the church, not the women. You okay with that? Our ladies are. But I can show you hundreds and hundreds of Christian women who are not. In fact, it's the majority now, isn't it? It's hard to find women who want to honor God in in their biblical roles. All right, so that is the battle, right? And it will be the battle until Jesus returns. Adam. Adam, you will have this curse, and you will have labor in work, and you'll have failure in work. Thorns, thistles. What happens with thorns and thistles? Oh, it reduces your crop. And sometimes wipes out your crop. In other words, it is going to be painstaking, difficult. And this is where it's so important for us to remind ourselves. Work is not a part of the curse. That's God's design for all of us, to be productive. A woman is to work at, where, where's the woman to prioritize her work? Well, it says, if you're married, you are to be prioritizing, keep her at home. It doesn't mean she can't work outside of the home, but the priority is <coughs> home. <coughs> and if you're doing a good job of raising your kids, it's a full-time job, isn't it? You don't have a whole lot of time to go and get a side job. 
if you're doing the job right. I was just thinking this this morning about my wife. My wife works full time. She does the books. She pays the bills. And she does all that administrative stuff. She's the organizer of our home. I get out of bed. I focus on ministry. I go do ministry. And I come back and the bills are paid. If I lose her, there is a great amount of my day that will be captured by the mundane. Administration, paying bills, making sure my health insurance is there, making sure the truck insurance is... Tight. I don't I don't have to deal with any of that. Which frees me up to do what? More ministry. When a wife is doing her job and, and, and it frees the husband to focus and to be effective and productive at his job. But how many young men I see go to work and the whole time they're at work, they're worried about their children and their wife because their wife is lazy and maybe, maybe unfaithful and they're not trustworthy to raise the kids. Can you imagine the pain of that? The pain of going away to work and having that weight on your shoulders, not sure that everything at home is taken care of? Theophel, recognize the value of your wife. Not everyone has that. Godly wife is to be honored. Okay? Recognize that. Hannah. I watch her compliment her husband. I watch the hospitality. I watch the things she does behind the scenes. And uh, it's unspoken stuff. It's not some of the limelight stuff. But man, Jacob comes without a burden when he goes to work on both sides, ministry side and at the shop. Brock comes without a burden because you guys are godly women. The greatest thing you can do for your husbands is do a good job of lightening the load for them. And uh, I am so glad my wife lightens the load. I don't have to deal with the taxes. I don't have to deal with the monies. And I can trust her with the monies. Folks, that's not a given. I had one man who I brought in. The marriage was about on ruins. She's about to leave. And you know what? The fight was over. $50,000 of credit card debt that he didn't know anything about. $50,000. Grab credit card here, grab credit card there, and upset in the marriage. So what should she do to appease herself? Bought stuff. There was stuff still in boxes. Can you imagine having a wife like that? And that that's sad. So, <clears throat> there is labor in work, but work is not the curse. Women are to work. Men are to work. Once married, the priority needs to be keepers at home. What about single women? Well, then they should work. Priscilla shouldn't sit, sit home and say, eat bonbons and say, mom and dad, I'm a woman. You provide for me. No. 
it's great that she's living at home, but be productive. Get out there and earn your own keep. Because guess what? Mom and dad aren't going to always be there. There may be a point in time where she has to have her own home. You know, John or Jacob gets married and says, Priscilla, we ain't got room for you. You can't live with us. Mom and dad are dead and gone, but find a place. No, single women are to work because it's not a part of the curse. Amen? And it helps them. They have resources now in which they can minister. They can take those, those resources and, and, uh, invest them in, in other lives. <clears throat> it gives them freedom of mobility. They can go here and there. I mean, Priscilla, you've been to Israel. You've been to what other foreign countries? Just Israel? Huh? I can't hear you. I'm deaf. But anyway, the point is, without work, you wouldn't have had that mobility, right? That freedom to serve God in, in a, in a broader capacity. So, work is not the curse. The curse is, there's going to be thorns. It's going to be hard. But it's still going to be a blessing. Because it's part of God's design. Let's work. Amen? All right, we'll close with that. Lord, thank you for this time. We ask you to guide and direct. In our morning service, we're excited about Mike getting baptized. And we pray for... Just guidance as I give the gospel through the discussion on baptism. And we'll give you praise, honor, and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.